0: You felt it. We all have. There's just a generational impact that Star Wars has had on my and so many families across the world. When I think of how much I loved it as a kid, to actually have the montrose on, the leku and the costume, it just feels magical. This is for our love of a galaxy far, far away. It's a galaxy as big as our imaginations, but it feels as close as a member of the family. This is Forever Star Wars. Hello there. This is Mark with Forever Star Wars. Uh, It is 7 a.m. the morning after the debut of the Ahsoka series, and I'm doing something that I've not done on Forever Star Wars in terms of how I share my thoughts or uh, compose a review episode. Um, I'm doing it really off the cuff because I've had a night to sleep on it, and I've now had time to process it. I'm not currently on social media much at all right now. So I'm not part of any fan discussions or circles outside of Clashing Sabers. Um, And within the Clashing Sabers group, our group chat, um, I'm recording this at a point before any of us have ever really shared our thoughts on it. Uh, And that was also intentional because uh, I really want to record this as, as pure Um, a reaction as I can that is just my opinion and not anyone else's perspective or POV. So if you're listening and you have not seen the series yet, I will give my non-spoiler impressions first, and then I'll get into the spoiler stuff. But I'll give you a clear marker for where the spoiler portion begins. So what were my overall feelings about the first two episodes of Ahsoka? Um, I'm recording here in my office slash podcast studio slash Star Wars collection room. Um, and I'm surrounded by, um, art from Ahsoka and, uh, I have the Ahsoka uh, lightsabers from galaxy's edge. There's an Ahsoka figure, uh, sitting right next to me that, um, uh, has her like posed with her arm up and more eyes resting on her arm is, you know, so I'm really, really into, uh, the character of Ahsoka and the history of Ahsoka. So that's my statement at the beginning of this, uh, to sort of set the tone for it. Does that mean that I had really, really high expectations? Um, yes and no. Um, I've had a complicated journey with my feelings about this series. Um, Early on, uh, there was uh, controversy about the casting of Rosario Dawson that involved uh, members of the LGBTQ community um, being upset because uh, she and her family were involved in a litigation um, that involved uh, a trans friend of the family. And there was some allegations of uh, abuse and discrimination. For some trans fans, the casting of Rosario has not been something that they have been able to accept. And, uh, kind of breaks my heart because I know that Ahsoka is important to a lot of fans and trans fans, especially, uh, many love her very much. The character, uh, I think it has to be pointed out that the litigation was dropped. The case was dropped. Um, Rosara Dawson herself has a history of LGBTQ advocacy and, um, I'm, I'm a believer that you should watch what people do and not, and not just watch what they say. And I, you know, from what I've seen and I could, I can tell Rosara Dawson shows that she is not transphobic and not, uh, uh that she is an ally to the LGBTQ community. So, the litigation being dropped, I came to terms with it and and became more comfortable with the casting and, and with Rosario herself. Uh, that's just how I feel that I do not speak for other members of the LGBTQ community, nor should I speak for anyone else. That's just how I feel. Uh, so having said that, um, I've sort of been up and down about my anticipation for the show because it felt like it was on had such a rocky start the character of Ahsoka is interesting in that there was a time when I felt like she was not appreciated enough like I felt like she was such a strong character that but she didn't get I think enough of the love from like the mainstream Star Wars audience and then somewhere along the line that changed and she became this huge figure within the fandom. And I think you can see that reflected in how she made her appearances in The Mandalorian, and it became really evident that she was going to be a huge character going forward. We cannot train him. What? Why not? You've seen what he can do. His attachment to you makes him vulnerable to his fears. I've seen what such feelings can do to a fully trained Jedi Knight. To the best of us. She also has a way of popping up in just about every single project that Dave Filoni works on, which is not surprising. I mean, she is a character he created. He feels very protective of the character, and he knows the character inside and out. And so I think he should absolutely be the one to always write for Ahsoka. And I will discuss the writing of Ahsoka in this review for sure. But so having said that, I think it can be argued sometimes that he leans a little too heavily on Ahsoka in his stories, um, bringing Ahsoka in everywhere he can. But so far, at least for me, the character of Ahsoka is still so fascinating and so relevant and so meaningful to me that I don't mind it. So I'm a huge Ahsoka fan. I I will always welcome more Ahsoka. So I have mixed feelings, (laughs) which is... Uh, I set all this up with by saying that I had mixed feelings going into the series, and I still have mixed feelings uh having watched the first two episodes. um as a fan of the series rebels, uh rebels tinted glasses here <laughs> i'm I'm very much a rebels fan and absolutely loved all the rebels references. It really did feel like season five of rebels. I don't know if that's gonna play with with people who are watching, who are not familiar with rebels. I have no idea whether any of that resonates with them. If they understand the characters, if they understand the relationships, if they understand why it's important for the characters to do what they do in the first two episodes. But the rebels fan of me was very, very happy with the way that the characters were brought back in and how, uh, getting to see them, so many of these characters now in live action uh, was very cathartic because I'd always wanted these characters to be as big as any of the other live action characters. Um, I mean, they were for, you know, at least emotionally for me, they were, but I couldn't be more happy with the way that they've been brought in and how, and like, I, I'm extremely happy with the story. The star Warsiness of the series so far is fantastic. It is more cinematic than some of the other series um, maybe with the exception of Andor Ahsoka looks the most like a Star Wars movie Uh, and I'll get a little bit more into that in the spoiler portion Um, and as the as another positive the music by Kevin Kiner goosebumps I've been wanting Kevin Kiner to write for uh, live-action Star Wars for a very long time now and he did not disappoint Um, He made some really interesting percussive choices in some of the music early on that was really cool, Um, and his music does a lot of the heavy lifting, in my opinion, in these first two episodes, because the way he wove the character motifs in was really, really effective and helped me to have an emotional connection uh, for certain scenes and the characters that maybe was lacking in other areas, which I will discuss in more detail in the spoiler portion. There are moments in the series. The first episode is 55 minutes, I think. And there are action scenes. Sure. There's, there's, there's stuff that happens early on. That's that has action in it, but there are these long drawn out scenes where characters are having these long conversations where, the character beats are drawn out just a bit too long. Um, characters are thinking are or sort of sharing looks with each other and the pacing just feels sluggish and weighted. If that makes any sense. Um, there's a, there's a heaviness to the tone that feels like it's unnecessary. And I'm not saying that I needed for this to be comedic, Um, but I was missing some of the more lighthearted aspects that I enjoyed in Rebels. And also as much as the prequels tackle some heavy things in them, I feel like the prequels did a pretty good job of, of carrying a lighter tone and, and using comedy in effective places. I do think that George Lucas understands how to write a light moment and effectively and insert that in where. It can um, provide some relief to the heaviness of the story I was missing that in these first two episodes of Ahsoka so that concludes the non-spoiler portion of the review and I'm going to now get into spoilers so if you uh, are, you don't want to listen to this part uh, turn it off but come back to it later after you've had a chance to watch the first two episodes we are no Jedi I started hearing whispers of Thrawn's return as heir to the Empire. What happens when we find Thrawn? Power. Such as you've never dreamed. I've spent most of my life fighting a war. That's why I'm trying to convince you to help me prevent another one. You and I both know who could help you with this. She's still just as stubborn as ever. I bet your master found you difficult at times. Anakin never got to finish my training. I walked away from him. Just like I walked away from Sabine. You never made things easy for me. Master. So, uh, right off the bat, the first thing I see in the episode that I... (laughs) absolutely loved. It was a really nice way to start the episode because I was very happy with it. Was bringing back the crawl. Oh my gosh. I'm so happy to have a new version of the crawl back that I think and I hope is going to be how the Star Wars stories use a crawl going forward. I really really hope that that's what this is Um, and I don't know if this is the case but I like the idea of the color of the crawl changing according to the story it can't change all that much I mean there are only so many of those colors that we have in in text titles Uh, for Star Wars there's the green there's the blue there's the yellow um, there's the red so maybe it will shift between those basic colors, uh, depending on what type of story it's being told, that sort of helps to ground the audience in exactly where in the universe and where in the timeline that they're watching uh, a story. Seeing a crawl at the beginning really helped to prime me for f- this. seeing this as being more cinematic. Definitely had an original trilogy um, sort of feel and vibe to it, um, in the way that, uh, ships approached other ships and docked with ships and sort of the way the music flowed, uh, in those scenes, very high quality. Um, my issue with some of the series so far has been that there is an inconsistency in terms of how high quality they look. Some of them look like they're on a TV budget and others look more cinematic. This was definitely in the latter field. I want to just go ahead and address the specifics of my issue with the tone and the pacing right off the bat, because I just want to get that out there and, and sort of get that off my chest. I, I understand that the character of Ahsoka is evolving and changing, and that we have witnessed her journey. In the beginning, she was very brash and sarcastic. There's a great interplay between her and Anakin as when she was his Padawan. As she got older, she got more serious. Completely understand that. That is, that is fine. I felt, though, that um, by the time she reached live action, the character of Ahsoka has become so stoic. I think that at times it's distracting for me. And I understand that she is now a wise sage, but even looking at someone like Obi-Wan, who certainly also went on a journey and, and the Obi Wan of A New Hope is definitely not the Obi-Wan from the Phantom Menace, there is still a, a bit of lightness in the character in A New Hope that gives you flashbacks to who he was when he was younger and fighting in the Clone Wars, and that sort of, you know, sassiness that that Obi-Wan has um, I kind of want to see the sassiness a little bit in Ahsoka. Um, I miss it. And it, I noticed it when she was appearing in the Mandalorian, but I thought, you know, maybe it's just the way she's carrying herself in these episodes because of the heaviness of the, the deep responsibility of, a teacher deciding whether or not they're going to mentor someone in the force which is what she was uh, doing when it came to grogu you can really see it in this series where she's front and center see there you go everything's gonna be fine i don't understand why things have to be so difficult well considering your history i'd say that's expected but you and i both know sabine gives you the best chance of reading that map You're right. Just wish she had changed a little. I think some of my issue with that comes down to how she's written and how Rosario's performance is edited and directed. I, Cause it felt like I, I think, I mean, Rosario is a great actress, but it did feel like she was being uh, directed to be a certain way, you know, she sort of had her arms folded and she was always very thoughtful and very quiet. Um, there were a lot of scenes where she's having a conversation with the character, she's looking off into the distance, the character says something, she turns slowly to the character and responds and then turns her head back and looks away and the character says something else and then she turns her head back again and says something again. <laughs> it was like that sort of pacing feels I don't know it just doesn't feel as tight as it really should be. I wanted the dialogue and and the the acting scenes to be just tighter and maybe a little bit more snappy. Uh, because the overall uh feel of Star Wars especially in the prequels there is a briskness to them. Um out of out of all my criticisms of J.J. Abrams in The Rise of Skywalker, I feel like in the force awakens he absolutely understands that pacing because if you watch the force awakens it has a bam 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 quality to it where characters sort of you know say things quickly to each other which is more in line with how it happens in The new hope but here it just felt off and i think that that highlights uh dave Filoni's limitations with live action directing and I, it pains me to say that because for years I've, I've been looking forward to his transition from, uh, animation into live action. Cause I felt like he was such a strong and is such a strong storyteller that he had the potential to be the next George Lucas for the, for the franchise. And I think in terms of a storyteller, um, he is, but I so far have not been all that impressed with his directing ability and, and unfortunately for me at this point, um, some of his directing choices take me out of the series. Now that's the negative and that's it. That's the only negative, but I had to get that out there. On this day several years ago, the Empire was defeated, thanks to the heroic efforts of Commander Ezra Bridger, who sacrificed himself to liberate our world. Like I said in my non-spoiler portion, the, the Rebels aspect I absolutely love. It is so cathartic to see Lothal in live-action Star Wars. And it's not just a version of Lothal, it is THE Lothal from the series but in live action. Of course, now it's, you know, it's probably CGI lethal, but uh, you know what I mean. Not only is it lethal, it's the same locations from the series. So it was, it, that's one of the reasons why it really, this really felt like Rebel season five. You know, you had, uh, uh, the observation tower that sits outside of, of the city that, that, uh, the tower that, uh, Ezra spent a lot of time in. And then Sabine ends up spending a lot of time in this series. in um, that location is in it. Um, you know, the loth cats, man, I gotta say, I gotta, I gotta give a shout out to that loath cat. So Sabine's loath cat. I don't know the cat's name. I don't know if that was maybe Ezra's loath cat. <laughs> Um, maybe Sabine is looking after Ezra's loaf Cat, But that loathcat stole every scene they were in. Hey. Hi. And I'm not even a cat person. <laughs> so that tells you how much I loved the loaf Cat. <laughs> and there were there were gratuitous lothcat cat scenes in, the, in this series. There were not one, not two, but three scenes where Sabine comes home <laughs> and interacts with that cat and it's it's like a moment. every one of those is a moment. And I didn't mind one bit because I'm just like, that lothcat Cat is awesome. I want that lothcat cat to get their own series) <laughs> I like how the series sets up the mystery of uh, these new force wielding, obviously trained in the Jedi arts. Are they Sith? Are they not Sith? Characters in the beginning. They're clearly villains. <laughs> I mean, there's no ambiguity about whether or not they're the bad guys. They're the bad guys. Um, but they come in instantly with orange lightsabers, which is like, they're not red but they're like somewhere in between like in a a reddish orange so so if you depending on what your television set looks like you know you might think intuitively that they're red lightsabers and that they're sith and then when you actually pay more attention to it you're like wait a minute that's that's an off red so what is that saying about them they're they're sort of evil <laughs> <laughs> not, I don't know. Does, the, does the kyber crystal kind of like go, uh, I feel like I need to bleed a little here and turn red, but you know, some of these guys are not totally bad. Like, they've done one or two good things. They give to charity, <laughs> you know, maybe they help seniors cross the street. I don't know. So so maybe the kyber crystal is not like fully committed to turning red. You're making a mistake. And you, sir, should have surrendered when the empire collapsed. Jachrys... Get RD three to scan these imposters for identification. Allow me to show you our identification. I think that the introduction uh, of the characters was very effective. You're right about one thing, Captain. We are no Jedi. Uh, have to give a, a huge shout out to Ray Stevenson, who if you don't know this, passed away very recently. And uh, it was really nice to see the episode give him a dedication uh, at the end of of the series, or the end of the episode. So that was nice. He has a great presence. His apprentice, uh, Shin Hati... I think that's her name. Very ominous, threatening, uh, broods a lot, you know, lots of intense staring. <laughs> um, and uh, a spoiler right out of the gate, when Morgan Elspeth reveals that she's a night sister, I wouldn't say it's a. Tw- it was a twist. It was a very on point reveal. We get a lot of night sister lore right at the start when Ahsoka is visiting uh, a night sister temple, it turns out. To retrieve the MacGuffin, which is the orb that contains the map that's going to lead them to Ezra. Those opening scenes very much gave me Raiders of the Lost Ark vibe, right down to like how. Ahsoka gets down on one knee and then looks closely at a, at a pedestal and something rises from it and she sort of picks it up and it gleams and, and then, uh, you know, something uh, dramatic happens that uh, forces her to flee this, the scene uh, <laughs> shortly thereafter. It was very much like Raiders of the Lost Ark. Anytime I see, you know, mystical symbols and, and mysterious locations, it definitely gives me flashbacks to a lot of what happens in Rebels. Um, I was hoping that the weirder aspects of the Force would be in this series, and so far it looks like we might be getting that. Ahsoka already feels like um, Dave Filoni's animation's greatest hits. He's bringing a lot of the animated choices, a lot of the creative and story choices that he had in the animated series into live action. I'm interested to see how he weaves those things into live action, and if they'll carry the same weight or weirdness when they're in live action. Um, you know, I I don't know how the World Between Worlds ever would have played if it were a live action series and got introduced. Um, it might have been a bridge too far for some fans. Um, I think it, it even still is. But uh, I would rather he swing for the fences in that respect and do new things with the lore that expand our understanding of the Force and the galaxy and the more mystical realms of the Force. Because there's only so much you can say about the force if you only think of it in terms of how it's presented in the original trilogy. Like there's just only so much. And the original trilogy was just giving us an introduction into it. Um, I like that at least for now, what I understand future future movies are going to focus on like the early aspects of the force and how people came to understand what it was like I'm very much looking forward to all that because I've that's always been more interesting to me. You need somewhere to go in the ser- in, in the franchise now with the force. Uh, after all has been said about it, that can be said the force needs to evolve and change. Hey Sabine, I'm sorry for disappearing on you. I made this recording because more than the others, I need you to understand as a Jedi. Sometimes you have to make the decision no one else can. So that's what I did to defeat Thrawn. Liked seeing Ezra in holographic form, um, pretty much uh, as he was at the end of the Rebel series, sort of saying his goodbye to Sabine. Again, I don't know that someone who hasn't watched Rebels would understand the emotional significance of Sabine and Ezra's relationship there is a lot of exposition in the writing of these episodes to try and bring viewers up to speed on why these characters are important to each other and there are times when again I feel like that exposition is a little awkward that um, it's maybe not handled as well as say it was in, say like a, a series like Andor which was really, really a masterclass in how you introduce or how you provide expositional information in a dialogue scene. In Ahsoka, it frequently stands out like a flashing light. Like, these people are important. This is why we have to go find Ezra. This is why we have to uh, uh, prevent the return of Thrawn. This is why we have to bring Thrawn to our galaxy. Um, But that's the sort of thing that you tend to see in the earlier episodes of a series that, that needs to set and lay the groundwork so hopefully there'll be less of that going forward as we get into the actual um the gears of the plot start moving a little bit more smoothly and and succinctly and that might change as i watch it over again i might see past some of the things that took me out of it the first time once i typically a- a- acknowledge the things that bother me about it i can generally move past it and much like the prequels where I had issues with the acting and the dialogue. I could look past it for all the things I enjoyed, and there was so much to enjoy about the prequels, and this has a similar feel for me. These early episodes will be very much shaped by how I feel about the later episodes, because this is an eight episode arc and it's one continuous story, and these are just chapters. So this is just a review of my initial impressions of the chapters that have been presented and it's a fluid thing and it will change likely. Um, I don't think I'm going to do an episodic review after each episode. Um, I will do an overall review at the end of the series and definitely reflect back on this review. So stay tuned, I will uh, follow up later, and I'm sure you're going to hear a lot about uh, other Clashing Sabers' uh, reactions to this. Uh, I don't know yet if I'm going to be on any of those episodes, but you may hear me pop up here and there. So thanks for listening, and may the Force be with you. The views and commentary of Forever Star Wars do not reflect those of Lucasfilm or Disney. All licensed sound and music are property of their respective copyright holders. Clashing Sabers and Forever Star Wars are not affiliated with Lucasfilm, Disney, or any of their subsidiaries. The commentary and production of this series is the property of Clashing Sabers and Forever Star Wars and may only be used with permission. Until next time, may the Force be with you, and always remember,